Welcome back, guys, to the Emergency Nine podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Woodson, Mike Maroney, McLean Boyd. All the boys are in the shop today, ready to talk golf. How's it going? Except for one. Yeah, Tom's not there. (laughs) One light. One light. We're like that scramble that showed up and their one buddy got hammered the night before and didn't make it. Um, How's everybody doing? Fantastic. We actually doing the show. What is this? We're we're dialed in. We're ready to go. I'm so confused. What's going uh, on? We had we had one of the best intros we've ever had. Top five for certain. I don't want to I don't want to eliminate all of Mikey's greatness because there's been a lot of it. Let's let's be quite frank. I think I think um, it's probably top thirty. Well, Jake, that's also how many episodes that we had. This is episode thirty three. Yeah, I'd say top thirty. So you beat you beat <laughs> bare minimum three. Which is solid can, math, quite frankly. I mean, you know, you could have beat none, but you came yep. in hard, unexpected, together, and quite frankly, ran up to the top of the board pretty quickly. Well done, <laughs> sir. Well done. Like the big break. Top thirty. Top so 30 I guess we're, I guess we're doing the show. The boys are, you know, my energy level's a little low. I'll be honest. I'm I'm playing injured. I'm playing hurt. Battling. Stepping up battling some sort of cold or the delta variant or i don't know what i got going on over hey, here jordan put up 45 in the flu game you got this I, i'm gonna do this <laughs> we're, we're going this is the emerging nine golf podcast and that was your intro from mr jay woodson we are it's missing tom good. strange not as good as normal yeah it's but... not as not as easy boys on that side huh no it's huh. not it's not you're good you're good at what you do so we are back hopefully everyone is doing well and enjoying themselves you guys have listened to our abandoned dunes uh deep dive that jay and i did that we i think it was over two hours we could have gone for four to six probably yeah it's i've, I've had a couple of people talk about it um i had too they i heard it was good i mean did you not awful. listen mclean no but i i heard about it <laughs> But it was, you know, it was fun to do. I know that because um, obviously fun to play, but then fun to talk about it and relive it. I mean, it's, I still to this day, I mean, you need to go. If you haven't been, you need to schedule, schedule the tee times for 2023 because I think 2022 is completely booked. Pretty, pretty much. Yep. Um, I, I would be so in, however, can I just, can I just tell you guys the one comment I got on the banded episode? I had a buddy text me, longtime listener. <laughs> he asked me if Bandon came during the Bandon episode. <laughs> True story. Should have. So I, I didn't listen to the whole thing or even started it. However, my guess is that there's a little lubrication <laughs> going on in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to apologize whatsoever hey get yeah. him where you fit i love it i hope you guys had a great time obviously uh the place is spectacular um i don't know for sure because i've not been there but you hear nothing but incredible reviews and my guess is yeah. that you guys well, came back on if a you listened you would have heard a great two-hour review mcclain you, we, <laughs> we tell you all about it weather yeah. flights lodging food oh, caddies awesome. we cover it all pal you just gotta listen to your damn podcast awesome you know how many two-hour reviews i've listened to in my life <laughs> hey if people don't want to hear us listen for talk for two hours and we got a problem pal <laughs> fair enough <laughs> let's talk about shit we don't know 
so we do have some other big news. I'm not sure if you saw this, and I don't have much information, but Mr. Callum Taron is a father. All right. Congrats, he, he, posted, he posted a quick little thing on his Instagram story tonight at like 730. And it was just him holding his baby girl. And that was it. I All don't right, know the name. Um, can we cohesively give it a golf clap? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can. So, um, so congrats to him <laughs> and his fiance Ashley. Uh, hopefully, it's, it seems like everyone's healthy and made it through all right. But I guess he's back in the UK and changing diapers at the moment in the middle of the night over there. So uh, good luck to him. Congrats. And I want to know if he's flying back for the event on Thursday because it's uh, uh, Corn Ferry Finals coming up. He's going uh, to be three weeks. Where did he, where did he finish yeah. on the on the 25? So he did not. Uh, get his card on top 25. I don't know where he finished because he, I think he had a rough, rough week and missed the cut last weekend. Um, find out, but and we're going to talk a little corn fairy later. But again, I wish I knew more information, but it's all he posted. And uh, but again, congrats, happy for him. Glad it happened on a on a Monday. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if he was able to make it there in time yeah. with the time change <laughs> coming from, I guess, Portland, week. right. Yeah, he, I mean, he missed the cut, so I'm guessing that he, if he didn't make it back, he was obviously really close, but um, yeah. I'm glad he's back there, and I don't know if he's, he may miss this one and just say, hey, I'm going to take my chances on the on the last two, um, but you never know. It's tough to not, I mean, this a is such position. a big, such a tough position, and it depends on um, what type of relationship he has with his fiance <laughs> and how much she wants him to go play. You know, that's it's tough. And your family obviously comes first, you know. But uh, I was, you know, speaking of, I was actually in a tournament in North Carolina uh, when Aaron went into labor with uh, our oldest, Trey. I was about three hours away. Uh, I was only two or three shots off the lead through two rounds. And Aaron, this is, this is speaking like this is a golfer's wife and she knows how important it is. She's like, her sister was staying with her at the house and she called me at 12 o'clock. She said, Hey, um, at, night? I'm having, at night, 12, yeah. 1230 at night. I'm getting ready to tee off the next morning. She calls and says, you know, Hey, I'm having some contractions, but I don't think it's real, but we're just going to go in and just, you know, check just to make sure, but everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's good. You don't need to come home. And I was like, okay, I hung up the phone, packed my shit up and got right in my car and started driving. And, Smart man. And I got home at, I mean, I got in at whatever, 4 a.m. And she, you know, gave birth like maybe three or four hours later. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I don't, you never know what the the dynamic is between the husband and wife of a golfer, but, um, I can understand if she's like, no, hell no, you're staying here. <laughs> yeah, um, but I can also see her saying, I've got, everyone's with me. I got support. The baby's healthy. Get back on the road. And go, yeah. Go Cause he's, car. he's not just doing this for himself. He's doing it for, you know, his, his yeah. fiance and his daughter and trying to get on the PGA tour and, and build a better life for everyone. So. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a big difference between playing corn Ferry and finishing, you know, 40th on the corn Ferry money list and then playing the PGA tour and finish finishing a hundredth on the money list. That's a big difference. Well, 
like that's a, uh, that's an extra zero. <laughs> like like Kevin Kisner says, they pay a lot for twentieth place out there. Yes, they do. They also play a lot for first, which we like, speaking which we'll talk of about. Kevin Kisner. We'll get into the topics of the week, and there was a, kind of a lot going on and different varieties in, in golf. Nothing, I wouldn't say any major topics or uh, breaking news came out, but just a lot going on in the world of golf and th- this time of year. But yes, Kevin Kisner does win the Wyndham Championship, the final event of the regular season. Wins in a six-man playoff, and I, I, I texted you guys. I felt like a complete idiot. I did not realize they were teeing off early, and. <laughs> I had a text from a good buddy of ours, Ren Schiffman, who was down there, his his family, and he knows a lot of a lot of folks, and he's played Sedgefield a whole bunch. So he was down there. And he texted me something like wild finish today. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, nice. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Like Henley hasn't even teed off yet. He's got like a a three-shot lead. Like, what's so wild yeah. about this? Like, what's yeah. going on here? And then McLean's like, oh my God, I can't believe he missed that. Um I look up at the TV screen in the golf shop at the foundry, and I'm like, what? What are these people talking about? I had no idea it was taped. <laughs> no. Yeah, but, they started. Yeah, I guess weather or whatever's coming in. They started early, but man, it that was a that was a kind of a nutty finish. I mean that that last hole. I mean, McLean, you've played Sedgefield before, right? Yep. And that the last hole is it's not that easy of a hole. I mean, you're hitting. Well, it's, it's a par very five tough normally. because you're hitting you're hitting your second shot from a downhill lie to an uphill green. Yeah. That's where the difficulty truly lies is in the undulation of trying to hit a, depending on how long you are. I mean, I'm going to have to hit like a seven iron or six iron in the green. Adam Scott hit a fucking pitching wedge and all the way down the playoff hole, but he smoked a little draw down there and it caught, it caught little shoot if you will thing ran for 90 yards it yeah. ran forever and he had 149 i think in um i if i smoke one i'm probably 183 in maybe somewhere <laughs> somewhere in that neighborhood you know, very specific very yeah, specific is, yeah is that a front flag a middle flag back flag where is that no is that- it's a yardage where i felt comfortable <laughs> still saying i could hit a fucking seven iron from uh, <laughs> that's a max seven iron yardage that's why i gave you that yardage um but no regardless of which you know the difficult part is the shorter and here's the bad part about it the shorter you hit it the harder it is to catch some air under that longer or shorter iron if you watch roger sloan in the playoff he trap hooked a six iron in there and bounced it back into that back left flag um thank god the flag is where it is or that shot's fucking impossible for most guys. I mean, you make yeah. a front, you you put that flag on a front hole location. Boys have a very hard time unless you are a guy that can get it all the way down there without hitting it into the ditch, mind you. So you have to play that. You have to ride that line a little bit of saying, "All right, I want to get it all the way down there. I don't want to hit in the ditch, but I want to get as close to that ditch as possible so that I can hit a higher lofted club into that green." A lot yeah. of guys don't even have that have that option yeah guys hitting mid irons into that green and a front hole location it's unaccessible unaccessible you have to hit it to back middle and try to two putt i didn't i didn't like that i didn't like that hole very much when i played it i think i'm i think i made a bogey i think i bogeyed it one day and doubled it the other day that i played it in the tournament and i was like this hard (laughs) i got done on that (laughs) that tournament was my first pga tour event but i got done there and i was like this course is hard and then I think Carl Pedersen won that year at 20 under. And I was like, 
All right. Well, I guess I'm not made to play on the PGA Tour because I just thought even par was a good score here. <laughs> the guys are shooting 20 under. So I was like, oh, different ball game. out of here. Different ball game. But I do, I, I do remember the first tee. That was super cool. Uh, I teed off a 10, obviously, Monday qualifier, but it was like 100 people. You know, there in the little the little bleachers they had, and they you know obviously called my name, and no one had a frigging clue who I was, and you know everyone's and it's just so cool. Everyone starts cheering and yelling, and I was like, I was so nervous. Like my only goal was to get it airborne. Like that's <laughs> that's terrible. As you're playing in a PJ Tour event, you look down like, all right, let's just take a deep breath. Let's just even get this up in the air. <laughs> I mean. And I obviously hit it down the middle and it's like that, sh- it's a short par four kind of back up the hill and I hit three wood off the tee right in the middle of the fairway. And then my second shot, I was still jacked up. I had like once, I don't know, 60 something up the hill into the wind. And I was like, all right, let's just hit a smooth eight iron. I flew it into the bleachers behind the green on 10. Cause I used to have some like stands behind it. I mean, literally flew it in to the stands and I got a free drop, but I was like, I hit my eight iron like 185 yards. <laughs> The first, my first. Was anyone in the stands? No one was there. <laughs> there was nobody <laughs> in the stands. I wish there was people. If there were people watching, drinking beer, they probably would have bounced it back out. But yeah, nobody was there. But um, needless to say, that I I played that course and I was like, ah, oh, it's a pretty good golf course. It's kind of tough. And you know, here they are every week, every year they shoot like you know, eighteen to twenty under every time they play it. It's just too short, too many wedges, <clears throat> but. It is. It's cool golf course. At the same time, though, Jay, you know as well as I do, when you play the caliber of course that those guys play on an everyday basis, you get better on those quality of courses. You get better on hard golf courses when you play a hard golf course every day and every week. So to what Sedgefield looks like to us, especially myself, and you, you have a much higher pedigree than I do, but especially myself, which is a good golf course, it's gettable, but it still poses some difficulty for guys yeah. who are used to seeing difficulty. For That's tour pros that are used to seeing some of the most difficult grass yeah. on the planet, yeah. Sedgefield kind of comes in as a little bit of a, not necessarily a, a shy week or a week off. It's not like the guy shot 32 under, yeah. but at the same time, you know it's gettable. Yeah, uh, you, you're I think you're, I think you're exactly right. I was thinking about that earlier this week when I was watching the tournament, I just, and it's just experience, you know, it's like me as a, you know, 25 year old kid playing in my first PGA tour event. That was my first taste of like a tour quality golf course, even though it wasn't the most difficult golf course that they play each year or each, each week. But, you know, like exactly like you said, if you, if you play a tour quality golf course every week where typically these guys are hitting driver seven iron driver, eight iron driver, six iron in these par fours. And then you get to a course like this where it's driver sand wedge, three wood sand wedge. You know, you have a couple good par threes out there, but for the most part, you know, you're hitting short irons in the green. You know, they're like, man, this is great. I was like, I got wedges in my hand. I got 10 wedges. I was like, I'm going to light this place up, you know, but you're right. You know, it's, it's exactly the case. And, and I can see why, you know, young kids, when they first get out there, they're a little overwhelmed, overwhelmed because, you just don't see, I mean, college golf to that, you know, for the young amateurs, you know, it's different. It's a different level. It really puts stress on your, your mid to long iron game. Uh, and obviously short game, you know, gotta be, a, gotta be spectacular with it. And you're just not, you don't have to hit, you know, six irons, seven irons and eight irons when you're playing amateur golf. You, I mean, most of those guys, 
they smash it off the tee. The rough is never super thick in the amateur tournaments and they can be, you know, they can hit wedges on every hole and it's not a big deal, but you get on, on tour, you've got to drive it a little better. You've got to be better with your, your mid irons. Um, and you've got to obviously be able to, you know, do the, the remainder of it, short game, stuff like that. But we've, we've gone over and over about the mid iron game, but that's, that's, the, that's the tour, you know? Well, and it also goes back to the venue this week. I mean, it is a Donald Ross course. You'd better drive it pretty straight and hit greens. Yeah. Just in greens in a Donald Ross course, you're going to have a lot of very, very tough up and downs. Man, there's there's a lot of tough putts just in general. Guys on the greens. There's a handful of guys putting them off the greens this week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's always going to be some tough putts, but even before you get the chance to get the flat blade in your hand, when you are missing greens, at a Donald Ross facility or Donald Ross design, you're going to face a lot of very, very difficult up and downs where all of a sudden a lot of flat courses suddenly have a ton of undulation to them. You yeah, know, those speeds. is in Greensboro yeah. and it does have, it does have some undulation to it, mm-hmm. but I've grown up on the Southeast side of North Carolina and I've played a lot of Donald Ross golf courses, arguably my second favorite designer to Seth Rayner the one thing that stays a premium is that he found a way to introduce elevation on flat land. And it's not that you're going to see a ton of that elevation T to green, but once you got around the green, you have a very good chance. If you don't hit that 111 yard wedge, because the courses aren't obviously, as we know, extremely long, if you want that 111 yard wedge to the right side of the flag and you short side yourself from the right edge, you have a six foot, up and down chip to where the elevation change you are six feet below the hole yeah with three feet of green to spare and, and most of most these likely putting and they're, from and they're usually pitched pretty good back to front it, so exactly. it's side hill yeah exactly it's nasty so that's the one really cool thing about donna ross golf course is that there's so much risk reward you have a chance to hit a lot of short irons and wedges in there but if you're not if you're not dialed in and you miss it to the wrong side of the flag on a Donald Ross course, Pinehurst number two will obviously show you a lot of that. And it's a little different now, core Crenshaw, but at the same time, it, it still maintains a lot of those characteristics. Yeah. If I would like, I would like to see it, them. I, I was just, I was just going to say with, with Sedgefield, it's such a, it's such a cool venue. Like you said, Donald Ross course, um, the land is beautiful. Um, I would like to see, I think it would be more of a destination if if the course were a little tougher. I think it would pull some more guys in, uh, and then they they could certainly do it. They don't have to make it any longer. Narrow the fairways up, grow the rough up a little bit more, and they get the greens a little. I mean, they looked they they had some weather, so they were pretty soft from what I saw. You know, I um, but if they can I'm going to reach though. out. I I'm going to reach out. I've got a relationship with Rocky Brooks, who's the director of golf over there at Sedgefield. Mm-hmm. I think I might could get him on and I'd love to hear his take on some of these comments. I, I think he'd be, uh, I yeah, think he'd I, be eager to give his take on this stuff. He, he's a yeah. great guy an incredible golf professional. Um, someone who I, I admire dearly and someone who I think is, uh, is, is someone who any, any golf professional would be pleased to get Rocky's take. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. What uh, what were some of your takes on the actual event, the golf court or the golf tournament? The players, obviously, 
you know, did Russell Henry Henley lose the event? Did yes, yes, yes. yeah, yeah, he one hundred percent did. But, I mean, I would, but, I wouldn't say he choked, but he definitely just didn't, just didn't perform on. Like we talked about, this golf course is just a, it's an easier setup the way they had it, and he shot one over on the weekend, or even on the weekend, one under, one over, on on Friday, on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, yes. when, when even, there was only even, there was only five or six guys that shot over par on Sunday the whole day, and he just happened to have the have the lead going into the in, into the last round and shot one over. But um, Jay, wouldn't you wouldn't you agree <laughs> that all of that shit's negated? What happened on the 18th green? He has a 25 foot putt to win. And he went for it, which I respect like hell. I mean, he tried to win. He tried to make that putt. It went five feet by. Um, but I respected the fact he, that he didn't settle for the playoff. He went ahead and said, I'm gonna try to make this fucking putt right here. And yeah. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it my all. Yeah. He went after I it. Mean, it's unfortunate I, what happened, but I love yeah. the fact that he did it. And I do agree with you. He could have done a lot more on the weekend, but at the end of the day, it all came down to the 72nd green, which we all know is where decisions are made. Would you yeah. agree with that? Well, uh, yeah, but I think I think that he it shouldn't have come down to the 72nd hole. It, it that's what everyone sees. They sees that they see the three putt on the last hole, um, but it shouldn't have come down to that. If he had played as well as he was playing prior to, I mean, Russell Hen- Henley is one of the best ball strikers on tour. Um, you know, statistically speaking. So, uh, he just, you know, I'm not, it's not, I'm not blaming the guy. I mean, he went out and played the best that he could. He just didn't, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't perform, but not even close to as well as he performed the the two days prior. But had he had, had he kept some type of consistency on the weekend and maybe shot one or two under, I mean, he would have won by four. Um, you know, so I don't True. blame the, I don't blame True. the last hole. I will say that I'm not a big fan of changing my pace depending on the putt. Like, I just don't, I don't believe in that. I think you, you putt with the same pace the at same. all times and you try to make it. If you, if Agreed. you've got a five footer and you leave it short, that's one thing. But if you've got a 25 footer and you make a good stroke and it stops on the lip, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at the guy and say, Oh, you, you left it short. How could you ever leave it that putt to win the tournament short? I'm like, cause I was trying to hit, hit it with the right speed to make it. Um, and I just happened to misread it by eight inches, you know? So I don't, I'm not a big fan of like, let me just give it a go here on the last hole. You just try to win, you know, especially when he had the, had the opportunity to still get in the playoff. So I will I'll always, I will always default to proper speed at all times on, on putting, but that's not his strong suit. I mean, his strong suit is his ball striking and, and for whatever reason, I don't know what was going on with him, but it let him down on the weekend. I mean, for him to shoot even par, when he was 14 under par through through two rounds, he must, something must've been going on. He also, he also missed like a two and a half footer or two footer on like 11 or 12 yesterday as well. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, That that was unfortunate. I mean, the guy, the guy put himself there. He had the guts to go ahead and roll that putt on 18, which I totally respect. I, I was absolutely gutted for him missing the comebacker on 18. Yeah. Um, you never want to see no one wants to see a guy miss you don't like, see anyone lose week. like that you don't want to see anyone lose like that and all of a sudden go from a chance to win to out of it it's uh, an eighth just at the drop of a hat within 
with literally within 120 seconds, he went yeah. from the guy who has a chance to go and put it away to the guy that was out of the golf tournament in 120 seconds. Yeah. All four days led up to those two putts back to back. And then his past teammate, his past teammate wins in the playoff. Kiz, yeah, yeah. Kiz, Kiz, the there, yeah. Georgia Bulldog ends up pulling it down. I mean, if that's not a if 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 he didn't go to a school that that their mascot represents him more than any, I'm like, you know, some players go to like their school and the mascot. You like think of the mascot, you think of the player. Like I think Bulldog, I think of I think of Kevin Kisner. Like a hundred percent. That's like him to the T. You know, he's like he is. I mean, he's a little twerp. I'm not gonna lie, but. If I were going to get in a fight with somebody, I kind of would like him with me, even That's though he's a little, he's a little, he's a little dude, but like he's crappy. Like Big I feel heart. like, he, yeah, yeah he's I feel like he would bring it, guy. you know? <laughs> he's going to bring brass knuckles. He's going to yeah. clip someone at the knee and he's going to, he's going to walk away feeling pretty good talking shit. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I think you're dead right, Jay. That's why I love him in match play, quite frankly. You know, yeah. he, he is. He's the better version of Patrick Reed in match play. He's got that yeah. same gritty mentality. He's got that same, you're not going to beat me. My confidence will overcome you, and I will beat you up hitting first into the green. I'm going to yeah. stuff it so that you have all the pressure on you behind you in match play because he's no, he's not the longest player in the world, but he also fucking owns it, and I got a big respect for that. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah. he knows very well. A lot of guys are going to outdrive him, but he's going to stuff it with that eight iron when they're hitting wedge. He's going to end up putting that pressure on him. And around the greens, that chip shot he hit on the first playoff hole, by the way, under pressure, trying to make it, that was saucy as shit. There were, there were a lot of really good up and downs on that first playoff hole. The first playoff hole was unreal with the up and downs that everyone made. I mean, it, it went from looking like there was one guy that was obviously probably going to win maybe if Roger makes a putt on top of him, it, yeah. it gets extended to then all of a sudden, especially after looking at the second shots that those boys hit. I mean, it was a quack fest. And then you had up and downs of the century from Siwoo, from um, Grace, Kevin nah. Kisner, from Brendan Grace, from Kevin Nah. Kevin Nah, how about the putty rolled in on the second one? The two up and downs that he made back to back were unreal and get overshadowed because obviously they didn't win the golf tournament. But the fact that he did that back to back, Jay, you know how much this counts. When you when you hit two bad shots like that and you have to make up ridiculously up and downs, and you make a 15 and a 25 footer for par back to back holes. I mean, you're on, on that third, you're on that next T box. It's like Boys, I am living clean. Living I've clean. gotten away with some shit. Are you saying that because you've seen me hit a bunch of really bad iron shots and you've seen me hit a bunch of really good no, chips? No, like, no, <laughs> no, no. I haven't seen you do that enough. No, that sounds like some shit I used to do back in the day. <laughs> no, but you're right. I agree 100%. Anytime but you, you, get, get, you get where I'm going you, with that. Yeah, no, 100%. You hit no, two really bad. It does really not sound bad. like you. It does not sound like you. Nah, I mean, I've done that. Yeah, 100%. You hit two really bad iron shots, and then you come away with par with like incredible pars. You definitely feel like, and you're still in the hunt. You feel like you've you've stolen stolen something or something. Yeah, you you knock down a twelve footer for par after a tough up and down, and you're yeah. walking off, and you're still tied for the lead. You're fucking fist pumping that par yeah. putt. You are yeah. fucking fist pumping it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. 
Here's a question for you. Did you think there was any chance Adam Scott's putt was going in? How uncomfortable did he look before he hit that? I mean, he pulled his green reading book out twice from a, was, like a four footer, five it was footer. Awful. He pulled the dog shit out of it. I feel like his head came up and out. And I, I swear to God, I think that's the problem with an unanchored long putter. If I'm being honest with you, it's hard. It's, it's a big, heavy under think about pressure. How heavy it is. Think how under heavy this pressure. Putter is. Yeah, and you can't anchor it. You've got you. This is like a big floating thing, and, and it's heavy. I mean, that heavy. I don't know. I don't. McLean, you would know how heavy typically these these these. Oh, uh, they're ridiculous. They're, they're super heavy. Four hundred. So if you're not four hundred fifty grams somewhere in the. They're yeah. ridiculous. I can't remember exactly what they are, but they're. You've got to make a short putt, like, and you've got to be very precise on on fast greens. It's like I, I don't. I mean, well, but here I don't know how those guys do it. Is that all of a sudden? And I get it. We all have an anchor point with our head. We all have an anchor point somewhere there. But like when you're standing that tall with everything, it just, to me, it, it's so easy to come up and he just hooked, he hooked the shit out of it. I mean, absolutely hooked the shit out of it. You saw it. It started left off the blade, bouncing left, went left. Well, I don't think he had any idea what the read was. The he was he was not confident in his read or where the hell the ball was breaking. No, it was it, it was not a good putt. He missed that putt before he even pulled the putter back. Just watching it to me. But yeah. So let's let's get into we kind of mentioned um match play, right? So let's kind of talk and this has been a a, a pretty big ta- talking point on a lot of fronts today and last night after Kisner wins with the Ryder Cup right around the corner. He is currently, and we've done this a handful of times throughout the year, if we look at their list here, he has gone up five spots. He is now 18th on the Ryder Cup standings. Again, the top six guys automatically qualify, and then there's six captain's picks. It's at Whistling Straits this year. Is Kevin Kisner on your team? I would like to see how he plays in the next three events. When when's the deadline before they have to make the picks? That I don't know. Is it before the tour championship or after the tour championship? I I think it's before. Let me see if, if I can get some details on that. If he can, if Kevin Kisner plays, say if he finishes, if he gets a top ten and a top twenty five in the next two events, I'd pick him. Okay, or, so here we go. So the. The points lock in after the second FedEx Cup event, after the BMW. So not this week, but next week, the top top six will be locked in. They then are going to do the selections after following the tour championship. So he has three events to impress. So if he if he plays well in these three events uh, and he creeps up even closer, if he gets like 13 to 14, it's a no it's a no brainer for for me. I would. And I, I, why would you not put? He's he's proven himself as one of the best match play players. He's won the he's won the WGC match play, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, he's, and he's, I think he's been a runner up. I think. And he's won in three playoffs. No, that was his first playoff he's ever won. He was zero and five previous to yesterday. Are you serious? I, yep. what, what was that two man event that him and Scott Brown did? They win? Did they win that? No, event? they lost in that playoff. But he chipped in from like fifty yards down in Louisiana. Yeah, I think they lost on like the third or fourth hole. Well, then, but well, yeah, I guess he we, was zero and five. We can blame in that on Scott Brown then. 
But he was 0-5 in playoffs going to that point. So yeah, sure. Really? Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just I would I would put that guy I would play with that guy in a in a in a Ryder Cup format over anybody else. So I don't Patrick Reed second. I, I don't know where I stand on this. There's definitely points for and points against, right? Like you said it and you guys said he's a bulldog. He's a match play specialist. The guy's an unbelievable putter. Someone you'd want in foursomes, right? However, it's not a good golf course for him. It's a bomber's golf course. His ball striking has been terrible this year. If you just look at it, he hasn't had that great of a year. And then you look at some of his ball striking, it's been bad. Yeah. So well, what's the but look at what's recent form, you know. He just won. True. I, I agree, but ball, ball striking is is you know, ball striking is you know, like we said, there's obviously the the cumulative score there when you look at what they've done over the course of the year, yes, but you're gonna see you're gonna see the same names at the top that you see, you know, we've talked about this a bunch, but we're, you're gonna see the same names at the top of the FedEx Cup points as you see or on strokes gain T to green. But again, some of that can't be you can't you can't evaluate uh, you know, recent form as easily, you know, if a guy's been playing and trending in the right direction. Um, but he just won, obviously was striking the ball nicely this past week. He would not have, it would not have won. That's, yeah. I, that's, I agree there. But, and I, I don't yeah. think he's on my team as of today, but if he yeah. strings together three strong finishes here in the playoffs, then I think I put him on. Cause then it's okay. It's always easy. People always says, Oh yeah, he's on my team. He's on my team. Well, we can't have 20 guys on a team. Right. So who's coming off your squad? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And no, you start you start looking at, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 on this list. Spieth, Harris English, Patrick Reed, Daniel Berger, Patrick Cantley, Tony Fina, Webb Simpson, Scotty Scheffler. That's all the way down to 14. Those are some studs right there ahead of yeah. him that have been playing yeah. really American well more consistently ridiculous. all year. Yeah. You can't That's put it. him on in front of those guys, unfortunately. He, he is the real deal, and I think he can play as well as any one of those boys. But when you look down our list, it's so stacked up there at the top of the official world golf ranking that it's very difficult to throw someone from outside it in it and try to make a better resume for them. I mean, try to make, here's the, here's the argument. And this is not even really an argument, but it's the one you're going to try to make when you put it against, you can put them against Xander, put them against Jordan, you can put them against Justin, you're going to put them against Dustin. Those, those are, there's no argument to be made, but you're going to try to put them against Scheffler. I think Sheffler's that, been Sheffler's had one hell of a year. I think what what we were just uh, again what we were just talking about is I, I think and I'm glad that they changed it from in the past it was top ten and then you know only two captain's picks and now they changed it to six captain's picks and I think they did that because they want to reward the recent form. They you know there's something to be said for golf like you can build up a cumul cumulative portfolio for a year well it's definitely two years points. right it's a two-year two running tally right? exactly two-year running tally but you know say the last two months you you're in the number but you're playing like crap you know like hey i'm sorry and that's happened a bunch how many times have it has a guy earned his rider cup uh you know rider cup you know status or is a member of the team and the last three months has been playing cr- terrible and they they don't play him in any matches except when they have to in the singles. They, I think they want to get away from, get away from that. They want to get 
everyone involved, everyone playing. So I think it's great that they switched it, but yeah, well, to I think your, they to only switched it because of COVID, but well, yeah, but I think that they should should adopt this moving forward. I think it's I think it's much better setup. Give it puts more pressure on the captain for sure. But yes. you're gonna get you're gonna get the best players playing every week, and it's not gonna be one through twelve because um, you may have some guys in there that are not playing well. But you know, back to the main point though, Kevin Kisner. If he can play well in these next three events, and like I said, if he gets if he sneaks the top couple top tens, um, and 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 inches closer, and say he's thirteenth or fourteenth on that list, then yeah, I think it's a no brainer based on the based on his win here, and if he if he does play well in the next couple of weeks, I think you got to put him in there just because that's this is what he does, this is what the guy lives for, and he's a great character guy to have. I think everyone likes him, right? Especially when you're going to have three puds on the team, you know Brooks Kepka and Bryson with their beef or whatever, being idiots, and you got Patrick Reed who's just a living idiot. You know, it'd be nice to have a good character guy on the team. Yeah. So, so yeah. let's run it down there real quick. Let's run it down real quick. So there's six spots. Yep. Number seven is Jordan Spieth. Is he over Spieth? No. Number eight is Harris English. Is he over Harris? Nope. Maybe. Maybe. Number nine is Patrick Reed. Is he over Patrick? Nope. No. Number 10 is Daniel Berger. Is he over Daniel? No. Number 11 is Patrick Cantlay. Is he over Patrick? Maybe. Maybe. Number 12 is the 03 loser of the big break, Tony Finau. I have him over Tony Finau. Tony hasn't done much this year. You have him over Tony. Okay. So that's where I'm trying to. Tony, I mean, this this is where you can, like, Tony Finau is a, is a best ball dream, right? But hold on, this he cannot be better. a great he cannot be a great match play player. Like he may lose his singles match, but there are, there are five or six other. Not, wait, Ryder, which Ryder Cup plays? How many is it? Thursday, five, five sessions. So there's two four ball sessions, two foursome sessions, and then one singles. And then, so he's got four potential points being a partner. And like, he's like a partner's dream. Like if he loses a singles match, that's fine, but he's got the potential to help somebody win on a big ball. Park. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's not get sidetracked. Let's not I, get would put, I would put, let's not get I would put Kevin Kisner over Cantlay. I would put Kevin Kisner over Harris. You put, right you put Kisner over Cantlay in English. Yes. Okay, I would play. Right, let's keep if it rolling. Playing, let's keep it rolling. Kisner, I would take Kisner over those two guys. Are you taking him over Simpson? No. I don't know. Simpson's Simpson's a he's a he's a vet. He's been in the mix a lot. Like like oh, he's won a major. He that. gets it. He gets it. Webb Simpson knows a how to play. Great team guy. Yeah, great, great team, team guy. guy. Where's he? That where's he on the list? Team guy. He's thirteenth. Do you take him over Scheffler? At 14. No. No. You don't take him over Scheffler. All right. Do you take him over the fucking bullfrog? Top heavy is as fuck as he is. Yeah. <laughs> you do take him over the bullfrog. Yep. I think I'm with you. I think I agree with that pick, Mike. I really do. I I, I think I, I do like, like love I, him there for our I love. As like much as I love crack. the bullfrog. Okay. I do like Coke Crack, and I think he's got a lot of p- potential to because he's a long, hits it long, he's a good yep. putter. Yeah, but so, he hasn't quite proven himself in the majors, and with that pressure, there's no pressure like playing for your country. And I have no 100%. idea because I've never done it, but I can only imagine because everyone that's done it has said that it's the most ridiculous pressure that they've ever had. So, ask Connor Mayhan. Yeah, 
And man, I, I speaking of, gosh, I really right. want to see this guy pull it out. But I, I know, know me too, happen. me too, big fan. Um, all right, so the next two, Horschel and Burns. I think yes. we all take him above those two, even though Billy Horschel, I'm a big fan of in match play. I think that's where he shines. But you're going to pick Kisner above him. He's he's one step above Horschel. Yep. Um, do I like Horschel in match play? As I said, without question. Yeah, I agree with you on so, Horschel, but I still like a, I like Kisner over him. I, I exactly. I'm still going Horschel's to a competitor. Still yeah. I, I don't. Disagree, you know what? But, you know what's funny? I played with Horschel and Kokrak in the same event in Savannah Harbor, and uh obviously in uh, Georgia and these dudes were compet all three, all of us were competitive, but I watched Billy Horschel throw his wedge 150 yards. Jay, in, you're, you're one of the world's the top five. You're one of the top five most competitive guys in the world. Yeah. So, but anyways, all right. All right. Maybe. Without getting, without getting too sidetracked. So <laughs> who, whose position does kids take? I think we all agree that he has some sort of position on there, but who's he taking? Or is he taking English's position or is he taking Finau's position? And where does Webb fall into this? Because Webb is above him at 13. I arguably would say Webb is 100% on this team without question. He's going to take over Berger, Cantlay, and possibly Harris. But at the same I would I would put Webb, Simpson, and and uh Kisner above Berger. Cantlay and I would too. And you put and where, where's Cantlay Reed scenario? Where's the Cantlay Reed scenario? Because that decision's gonna be made. And do you take Patrick because he's so fucking good in match play, Captain America, or Dude, or play, is he a detriment to the team? No, I'd play with Patrick Reed in a second, and we would win all four matches all day. Yeah, Let's all day. I don't prick. care Let's about that. Everyone we see, guy. he's a goober. Fuck I don't them. care, but. It's hey, I used to have, you know, playing sports in high school. You guys all played sports in high school, but playing football, there was we played high school football. We won two state championships, uh, one of which I was on a part of, and then one of them was a runner up. And we had plenty of guys on this team that well, I would never talk to outside of the football field. But once you got inside the lines, uh, and, and in this and in this case, inside the ropes. These guys all want to win. They don't care about the, they don't care about it. I promise you, they don't care. If, if Patrick Reed is playing good, they want to play with him. They can deal with it. They can say, you know what? Hey, I want to play with Patrick Reed because he's a stud. He can handle the pressure. I want he's to a win. goober, but I don't care. And I would play with him in a second because he's good. He's tough as nails. He doesn't care. I'd play with the guy. I'm, I just, I just want to make sure that he doesn't, he doesn't cheat, get any. Get, get a, a hole all, no, well, that's where I would play with him in a second. His, his want to win becomes like mindedness. Exactly. Exactly. You they all I mean? come together like, I don't care what what differences we have. You know, hey, let's what what are we what is the like? What do we think of that's the same? And we both want to win. Absolutely. And we both want to win for, for our country. And we'll do whatever we got to do. I'll be curious wow. to see if how analytics get involved and so i don't know if you remember you guys remember this story there was a story i guess three years ago now in paris that the european team used like these statisticians they brought with them to make their two-man squads in the various formats and i guess when the americans put out their teams i guess these people were just like laughing and saying god these americans are idiots these don't you know match up what the analytics say and i'm wondering if the united states 
you know, overcompensates for that and goes heavy into stats. I mean, hell, look at any sport today's day and age. Moneyball. Baseball. I mean, they're all doing it, right? Yeah. What a great movie. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter. Brad Pitt's such he's, a great actor. He's so dreamy. And um God, I'd pee in his butt. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm just curious. It seems like analytics is starting to take over sports. And I'm wondering, you know, look at strokes gained. I'm wondering if that gets into, you know, Stricker's thinking at all. And if he hires any of these guys to, to look at, all right, well, Spieth's going to be a pick and he's going to pair well with Harris English. So we're going to choose Harris because they're going to make a great foursomes, you know, or that kind of thing and, and how that affects the selections. I think it 100% is a part of the game these days with the introduction of the data that we collect these days. I think that's 100% a part of it. I also yeah. think that a good captain is going to assess the course they're going to be playing and then go look at the five guys out and figure out who best feels like they can play well at that course. Who who going back in time shows, and I'm sorry, uh, this is going to be awful, but where are they playing this year? Whistling Straits. Okay, whistling straights. All right. That's so fun. So if I'm looking at it from a captain's perspective, I'm going to obviously assess whistling straights. Uh, what I feel like that the attributes are that would make a player successful at a course like that. And that's going to play a factor into my captain picks without question. If sure. this is a course that's going to play 8,000 yards, kids, I love you, pro. Might not be the spot for you. Tony, Tony, Mr. Finau. Yeah. They won't you play are it. up to bat. Well, they they won't play it. The the, the captain no, of course has, not. The, the captain gets to choose how they want to set the course up. So, if he feels that he's got a lot of really good tough competitors that don't hit it long, that are great short game guys, he's going to try to make it short and really tough, uh, narrow fairways and and so forth. But if he feels like the majority of his team are, are you know uh, are consist of bombers then he's going to make it big and open and long um, sure so but you get, you get the home saying, course though. the home yeah i, I no, I, I mean, he's, he's I gonna he's gonna surround his troops for what he feels the attributes of that golf course is going to prefer or going to sure. play easier. but in the end in the end of the day he has the 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 sure. home the home captain has the right to set up the course the way they want so if they want a shorter golf course with more birdies. It, it doesn't matter if Whistling Straits is a, a 7,800 yard golf course. If he wants it to play 71, 72, then that's the way they set it up. Um, so he can set the course up. That's, that's the advantage of playing on the home course. You can set it up the way that you want uh, to try to, you know, uh, retrofit your team. So if he's got a, a Kisner and a Webb Simpson and some of these other guys who are, great competitors but not long then he'll set it up accordingly but you know that's yet to be seen again we've got three obviously three tournaments but i do feel if kisner uh if he can get a couple of top tens in these in these fedex events um then i think it's a no-brainer you got to put him on the team so any we'll kind of move on a little bit here any other takes from the weekend um you know, as far as who's in the playoffs, who's out, who lost their card, or a couple of interesting names, Rose and Fleetwood kind of let's talk out about of, let's talk about Chesson real quick. Yeah, I had him on my list too. Justin Hadley. Well, uh, gets I in, makes to, a hole in one. 
and a birdie late. His first career hole in one was on 16, I believe. Yeah, look, I uh, I worked out at Northridge Country Club in Raleigh, North Carolina. They were nice enough to basically let me pull carts on Sunday mornings, and they gave me free reign to practice and play as much as I wanted to while I was trying to chase it. Um, Chesson grew up there, and I got the privilege of playing with Chesson a couple times. Um, we had putting contests. We hit balls together, and you know he was definitely the more experienced player when I was diving into mini tour life. And he gave me a lot of advice. Really good guy. Um, what he did Sunday afternoon, breaking down a little bit in his news conference, shows just how much, you know, one, he cares about what's happening, but how tough this life is on a guy that is a multiple time winner on tour. Um, a guy that has made a ton of money. Uh, you know, he has a great family, has, has grown up. Um, in some really cool surroundings, the guys that he's a, he's a, he is at the end of the day, a really good dude. Um, you could see the emotion he had when he made his hole in one. Yeah. Pure, pure exuberance in one of the absolute purest forms. You could see that in his news conference afterwards when he's breaking down, talking about it, because you know, he needed to do something to get into the playoffs. Yeah. The guy made a hole in one shot 62. Well, he also had that it tough, was, that tough finish at, at Congaree. Congaree. He had a very tough finish at Congaree. It's been tough. And he, that's what, that's what got him choked up about it. But that's where it shows how golf can bring you to your knees. We're talking about a multiple yeah. winner on tour. We're talking about a guy who is trying to keep his card. He's going to make over a million dollars. He's crying in his press conference about what just happened. So emotional about what just happened. Yeah. It's so great to see someone that is that invested into what they're doing. You talk about a guy that loves playing golf. Talk about a guy that loves what he does, has gone through some tough, tough times, but he's obviously, he made it happen on Sunday. Thanks to Justin Rose three putt. It was cool to see, you know, it's tough and cool at the same time. I'm happy he made it through. It's cool to see someone care that much about what he does. And I think that's, that's where a guy's going to get a couple of breaks. that goes his way. You yeah. Know, I, think, I think the golf gods are always going to be not necessarily in his back pocket, but they're going to help a guy like that. That is just in the purest form, a golf nut. Yeah. I mean, on that, on that note, you look back at the, you know, this weekend for the corn Ferry, you know, and the guys that earned their, on earned their PGA tour cards and one that jumps out. And I actually talked about, <laughs> I talked about this guy, uh, on the, uh, the Callum Tarum interview, uh, David skins and people always ask, you know, who's the, who's the best player, uh, that you've played with that's not on tour. And his name was one of the, you know, top three guys that would always come up on the list, David Skins. And Skinsy has went Skinsy winning the last event of the year, earning his PGA tour card, 16 years of playing professional golf and doing, I guess, I, I guess in the winter he was doing DoorDash during the COVID. I mean, I mean yeah, delivering the shutdown. Yeah. You know. Um and it's just it's just cool to see you know 
for a guy like that. I mean, he's got a family, two little kids. His wife is, is always is super great, super supportive, but you know, she's always with them through everything. And they're, um, it, it's just, it, it, you know, everyone always says, Oh, it's just a game. You know, you're just playing a game, you know, just enjoy it. But when, when you're putting that much time and effort into it, and it's, this is your life and everyone is, <laughs> it literally is your livelihood. This is your, your best chance to, uh, you know, David's a smart guy. I'm sure he would be successful in anything that he did, but for him, he's like, this is my best chance to, to do something incredible for my family. Um, and here he is at the, at the last event, he wins the last event to earn his PGA tour, PGA tour card. And now he's finally there 16 years. Um, it's pretty, pretty incredible. I mean, th- those stories are awesome to watch. I, I, at the end of the year, I always follow the Corn Ferry and, or, you know, Web, Nationwide, Nike, what it's been over the past 20 years. But the end of the year, there's so much pressure for these guys. Um, so it's like if you don't earn your card, it's like you're back on the, you know, the Corn Ferry. And it's not you. You spend a lot of money. And then Car- Callum told us a couple of weeks ago, you're spending a lot of money. It's not, you know, you're a professional golfer. You're probably a top 500 ranked player in the world, yet you don't make really any money. It's, which is, it's baffling. You know, if, if, if you were the top 500 NFL, you know, football player, you, you're on a squad making, making money every year, you know, but in golf, <laughs> if you're five, rank 500, good luck. Good luck. You're having, you need to, you're having you're trouble. Pitching paying pennies. Bills. Yeah. You're, you're having trouble. Paying pennies. Bills. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Skinzy, the only way he was getting his card because he was in the 40th was to win the event. I think that was the only way he was going to get enough enough points to, to jump into the right. top yeah. 25. Yeah. I think so, he started the week at 42nd. Yeah, so that's that's a huge jump, right? And I think jump. that I think I heard anyone in the 40s they had to win the event was the only way they were going to get their tour card and he goes out and does it. And you know, that whole <clears throat> since the golf, the PJ tour was, you know, long gone, I kind of start paying attention to the Corn Ferry tour and and the USAM which will we'll talk about here in a second. And it's just cool. Again, kind of a lot of these good feel good stories. Talk about Justin Hadley and Skinzy, but a guy like Ben Coles, for those of you in Virginia, a UVA guy who turned professional one, two times quick on the corn Ferry tour. When he got his card, got his PJ tour card, and then has just struggled and struggled and struggled since again, makes it grinds it out, gets the top 25, getting his card going back to yeah, the PJ tour. So cool to see that Curtis Thompson, Lexi Thompson's brother, Gets his tour card, um, finishes in the twentieth on the list. I didn't realize they were talking about him yesterday when he was coming off. You know, everyone runs. It's cool to see all the other players kind of rally around, not just the winner of an event, but guys who just played well and got their card and you're getting doused with beer and champagne. And yeah, you know, you know, Curtis almost gave up the game and then decides, oh, I'm gonna give it one last go and tries hard. And I think they said he either won or came in second in every stage of Q school. To get his corn ferry card, he was fifty-one under, something like that. I think they said for the three rounds of of Q school, and then so now he's on the PJ tour. Just another another cool, cool scene. Yeah, and it, it's fun. I guess now that we've we've you know talked to Calum and got a little more feel of of the corn ferry world, it's it's it has a little more interest to, to watch. But it is cool to see those guys battle it out for le- legitimately life changing events. Yeah, there's there's a there's a good list of those top twenty five. It's a it's a really good list of some good players. Um, I was lucky enough to play with quite a few of these guys, um, and they're all 
<laughs> they're all so good. It's incredible. Um, a lot of them are young guys that I play with on the Canadian tour, which um, it was fun to see them, you know, the 22, 23-year-old kids coming out of college. And I was the old guy, which I didn't think I was, but I definitely was at that time. But, you know, playing with these guys and seeing the talent, it's so funny to watch them play, you know, after the, you know, they get out of college and they're playing and they're, they say they don't get through Q school. And that's and we've talked about this. Like there's there's only a few guys that can come out of college and and utilize these these seven exemptions that you get and then make it work. I mean, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, we had we were a little spoiled with Matt Wolf and Morikawa and Hovland. I mean, that does not happen. I mean, prior to those guys, there's only a handful of guys that earned their PGA Tour card with those exemptions. I mean, talking Tiger Woods, Charles Howell, Justin Leonard, Rom, Rom. I mean, I mean, the list is. I think it's under ten. And I'm talking in the last forty years that have done that. So to have these three guys, you know, kind of do it all in one year, just doesn't happen very often. But you know, back to my point. I mean, some of these young guys that have earned their card, like Grayson Sig, um, incredible ball striker, Max McGreevy. Um, you'll see these guys' names as you get going. But um, uh, Andrew Novak, I played with him. These are all guys from the Canadian Tour that I played with, and they're all 22, 23 year old kids. And you can just tell when you play with them, like, all right, this guy's good. Like he gets it. Like he he doesn't know how good he is yet, but eventually if he figures it out um and he matches the confidence with the game then then they're they're gonna make it you know i I always go back to these guys just they they just know how to swing the golf club and they strike the ball well like they're they're it's you're you're gonna you're gonna make it if you just get out of your own way and here they are you know three or four years later they've earned the pga tour card which is awesome jared wolf another name on the list that i played with great player um, I mean, you go to Adam, Adam Svensson. He won, he won really Q school. He won Q school. Um, uh, the year that I was at finals in 2015, unbelievable player. I mean, I mean, go down the list. It's, it's really fun to watch all these guys. Um, you know, obviously Skinzy, we talked about him and he's a good friend of mine and I'm s- super pumped for him, but there's a lot of other really cool names that you you guys will see, um, as you continue to watch Taylor Pendrith. I mean, the guy hits it like 370 yards. I mean, it's not even funny. Is that good? Um, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, they used to do long drives in the Canadian Tour events, and and uh, Taylor would always do it with. Um, geez, who is the who is the long drive guy that uh, that won this the skinny kid that won it back to back Canadian guy? Jamie Sedlowski. Sedlowski. Yeah, that's it. Jamie Sedlowski. <laughs> he. He, I mean, obviously he was a two-time world long drive champion, but he would get in these Canadian events because he was playing because he was trying to get back, get into playing. And Taylor Pendrith would do these long drive contests with him with a couple other guys. And it was neck and neck. I mean, it wasn't like Jamie won every week. I mean, these guys were, I mean, they were, it was a pretty good competition. Oh, it was unbelievable. It was, it was fun to watch. I would go, I would go watch, you know, as old, I was the old man of the group, but I would go sit down and watch these guys hammer it out. It was fun. Um, but again, a lot of good names. It's, it's really um, good to see Will Zalatoris on the uh, top 25 there and get his tour card. I was worried about where he was going to play next year. Didn't, yeah. Didn't know where he'd finish up because he hadn't really <laughs> done anything on the PGA tour yet. So yes, I haven't seen, I haven't seen him on a corn ferry leaderboard in forever. I know. I don't even. Yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't. That's played a joke, McLean. Before. I see you looking at me. I was just funny looking at the top twenty-five, and you see Zalatoris, who's top twenty-five in the world. 
Yeah, no shit. But but isn't playing in the FedEx Cup playoffs, which is a whole other issue. Yeah, because he's not technically a card holder. He's not a member. Yeah. You can't he's got He'll be a member next year based of all based off his performance though from this year. Yes. Yeah. 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 But he can't that's, go to the that's FedEx fucking card. horse shit. It's so stupid. By the way. Check it that does, off the list of dumb fucking rules that exist. It does seem a little silly. Like he's it, it just doesn't make he's any one sense. of the best players in the world. He should be playing in the FedEx Cup. Got yeah. Right. Yeah. So even a couple of guys on tour came out and said, like, this rule is dumb. Like, we need to figure out this. Like, if, if you're going to play that well in all these events and these majors, you need to somehow get this guy membership so he can compile FedEx Cup points and, and get on the list. This doesn't make any sense. Well, there should be an auto exemption point to where a guy gets to a certain point where he's competitive to a certain If you make degree. enough, what would have been enough points to be the 50th in, in the FedEx Cup, you should automatically get. All right, so what do we call it? Five top tens on PJ Tour? I, does he have that many? I don't know. I'm I'm just throwing something I'm, out there that I feel like would be a a fair stat. If a guy I'm, has three top tens, five top tens on the PJ Tour in a in a matter of fifteen starts, I'm trying to look he, it up here. If he top tens in fifteen percent of his starts, that's pretty strong. Yeah, it's not bad. You like that kind of thing? All right. So a couple of other things real fast before we a couple of other feel good stories since we're we're talking about those uh, around the world of golf. Uh, if you haven't watched the video of Doug Barring winning on the senior tour this weekend, it'll brighten your day. It's a two minute video. He birdies the last three holes to beat Steve Flesh by two. He two putts on 18 for a birdie. And is like sprinting to the ball. I think he almost runs through Steve Flesh's line. He taps it in, not the you know typical. Let's mark, let's wait, yeah. get this whole thing. He taps it in. He finishes. He runs around. He ch- awkwardly chest bumps his caddy. Drops the putter on the green. I mean, it is the guy's a riot. He drops a couple f bombs right on the 18th green when they interview him after. Anyways, it, if you don't smile watching that, then. I don't know what you'll smile at, but it was well, it was a cool reaction. Well, what's what's uh, Doug's like history? Didn't he have like a weird run in with like? Didn't he get suspended from? Uh, I, I'm not aware of that, but that I'll go with it. it sounds great to me. No, no, I don't want to. I don't want to throw. <laughs> I don't want to throw shade on. But he was one of the first guys. I think in 2009, he was one of the first guys who was suspended for the for PEDs. Yes, you are right. Yep, I see it right um, now. And I, you know, I, th- he fought it. Obviously, he, you know, and again, I don't know the details, and and I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but I remember he was one of the first guys, if not the first guy, who was suspended for for PEDs. And um, you know that I don't know if they've they've cleaned up the whole testing process since then because of what he's done, but uh, it was just that was the that was the that was the memory that I have of Doug Barron, you know, right or wrong. And I don't, again, I don't, I don't want to throw some, some shade on him for, for what he's doing, you know, on the champions tour, but obviously they've worked it out. He's still a member you know, of the PJ tour and now he's playing on the champion tour. So it's, it's worked out for him. But um, yeah, that, that was, that was my memory of Doug Barron. That was the first thing. Cause he was one of the first guys. I'm like, Oh my God, what happened? You know? Yeah, I'm trying to find some details here, but I'm but I'm struggling. But yes, I do I do see a headline here that he was suspended. Um, 
back a, a long time ago. But yeah, obviously there must have been some sort of suspension, and he came off that. Yeah. And he was the, the guys, first. He was the first player suspended for performance enhancing drugs. The guy was excited <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> and then another good story: a former big breaker, Ryan O'Toole, on the LPJ and the uh, Women's Scottish Open gets. I didn't realize it was her first win. Really. It was her first win. I I was watching it. We had it on in the golf shop. And I'm like, oh, good for her. And then, like, yeah, her first win. I'm like, what? I love Ryan. She's a, been on a, a handful of Solheim Cup teams and been up there. But, yeah, yeah. 228 starts, uh, almost quit the game and said, maybe I'll go do something else, start a family, and chooses not to do that and win. So I think she's changing her mind on that right now. So that was so, cool to see. Ryan, awesome. Ryan's awesome. I actually have a personal relationship with Ryan. She is a really good friend of one of my former co workers. And actually, I can remember Ryan holding my son uh, at a pool party when Bo was a baby. Um, we were living out in Scottsdale. Um, Ryan's an awesome human being. I, I love her as a person. I was so excited to see her finally break through. She's been playing well for a very long time. Um, She's a brand ambassador for my company that I work with. And uh, regardless of which, I, I was really happy to see her breakthrough. And congrats to Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. She's a former big breaker. That's right. I just said that. You didn't hear me? But she, oh, she's one that she's one of the few that. that's made it. I mean, yeah. Jan, I don't yeah, mean there's, she's one of the few that's made it on, on, on their respective tours. Right? Yeah, she's a stud. What, it's her, Finau, and who else? Tommy Ganey, wasn't Darina uh, Pillar, Darina, Darina Pillar. Yeah. I mean that. Look, uh, Matt Every. There's actually quite a Matt Every. Yeah, that have earned their PGA credit to her for everything she's done, and uh, <clears throat> congrats out to Ryan. Yeah, yeah, awesome. That is awesome. And then, lastly, before we get to our picks, uh, the USAM was this week. Always a fun event. I love watching that. Um, awesome. I'm gonna pronounce this guy's James Piot. Yep. From Michigan State was the winner. Come from behind winning. He was three down on the back nine. Uh, making the turn on, you know, they play 36 holes in the, in the final. So making, you know, after 27 holes, I think he was three down. Shot three or four under um, on the back nine. I, I watched most of the back nine. Once I realized the golf was PJ Tour golf was on tape delay. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to watch this. Yeah. I kind of know. I already saw what happened. So I, I kind of turned that on for most of the back nine, and um, it was impressive to watch. I, he hit some great shots. Obviously, if you're going to shoot three under on three or eight holes, just because they finished on 17 on that golf course with that much pressure, you know. And one of the stories I told after was when he's at Michigan State, he's going to be a fifth year senior. A couple of years ago, he went to his coach and he was like, "I don't, I don't play well in these big events, conference championships, and the regionals and that kind of stuff." Well, he plays well in big events now. <laughs> well, now so he does. I think he really got his tempo and control on that back nine for a guy that has a very quick tempo such as he does. And I'm a big fan of it. Quite frankly, I have a pretty quick tempo so far be it for me to point fingers and be like, Oh, that's, that's, that's not how you play golf. Um, it seemed like he got very comfortable on that last nine. He got under control or he got his tempo in control. It's probably a better way of saying it. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think that's where all of a sudden he was able to find a comfort zone and start throwing some daggers. I hated to see it happen over 
um, a Tar Heel and Austin Greaser. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy's game. I like his move. It's a little bit different. You know, you talk about a guy that gets loaded. I mean, you watch him take the club back and my God, you, you talk about a guy that gets loaded on that right side and just absolutely yeah. unleashes Unwinds. Um, big, big fan of his movement, but regardless, um, Piat, like I said, I feel like really got control of that tempo, played some great golf and was able to come out on top. Yeah, I mean that final hole, you know, that drivable hole, they both kind of hit it off of the green in the in the bunker there. Yeah. And Piot gets up and he hits it over the green in the other bunker. And you're like, uh oh, this thing's gonna go to 18 here. <laughs> and then makes what a 20 footer, 25 footer for par to put pressure on Greaser to have to make his birdie putt. And I'm like, oh God, this guy's got some stones. So what's great about it is that I've read an article about that putter. So he said he was too cheap to go buy a new putter. He's also a college kid. So let's 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 talk about what's what's really the problem, right? So he said he goes into his basement and he finds that putter, just an old putter. He went <laughs> low in the southern am with it. He went low in the western am with it. Um he had a bunch of success with it coming up. And it's funny because it's a garbage putter, as they call it, as he calls it, garbage putter. I mean, play it again wouldn't give you 750 for it. You couldn't get you couldn't get a Big Mac for what play it again is going to give you for this butter. But as we all know, that means absolutely nothing. nothing. You can step over a putt with confidence. That putter's worth more than you could yeah, ever doesn't value matter. it. You're right. Question. Um, you know, I stole my putter out of Mike's shop at the foundry. Um, and that that's true story. It is literally rotting out and i just i won't you can't get me to touch it can't get me to change anything what putter to a five gallon bucket it's from his company so it's not like it's it's a good putter it's a great putter say that great butter great (laughs) butter you like putting to a 55 gallon drum this is the one for you this is the one for you. <laughs> so the, the other thing about the USAM that I thought was awesome, which is going to sound like a really dumb statement, but I'll explain it. I thought Oakmont was awesome. Oakmont's we all know. Fantastic. Anytime you can get cameras on it, I feel like. What well, yeah. Cameras? And I know that's kind of a dumb statement because it's one of the greatest golf courses in the world. But what I meant by that is you see it in a different light, right? With the USAM one, it's cool with the gallery walking the fairways, lining the rough, yeah. circling the green. It's nothing like you see in the US Open. It's like a throwback to when you see footage of Bobby Jones winning yeah. events, right? It's it's odd. And you don't see the big grandstands. You don't see all the big ropes, the signage, the the leaderboards. It's a stripped down, you know, just like that you're going to see it if you were to go play with a member version yeah. of Oakmont. I also thought it was cool because because they don't have big TV towers, you saw a lot of lower kind of ground level footage from cameras. So there was a lot more contour on holes that I recognized, but I was like, man, I don't, I don't remember seeing that contour before because yeah. the high end, you know, the high you know, views you get from, you know, NBC's covering the US Open there. I don't know. You're just able to see a little bit more detail and and how below the green some of these bunker shots were or chip shots and how much they sloped. And they did a great job. Jim, Jim Gallagher was out ahead of the final group there or the only group. And they're, you know, obviously they have air to fill and he's showing you, okay, on this hole, they got to deal with this slope or if they miss here, they're going to have this pitch coming back. And I don't know, just a cooler. I got a better perspective of 
how good of a golf course Oakmont is yeah. versus when you watch the, the U.S. Open. It's freaking hard. <laughs> it looks really hard. That's why I've for for Piat to shoot three under, you know, yeah. being three down and you know balls to the wall. All right, I got to get after it here. I think he said in his in the interview afterwards he wanted to get to four under and he got to three, and it was it was good enough. Well, I I think that also shows what can happen when you play a golf course over and over and over and over and over, to where all of a sudden your confidence level is much higher than it was on Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, he was now able to jump up on every hole confident on what club he's pulling. He knew going into that back nine, he goes, you know what? A lot of holes out there that I I, I feel fit me. There's a lot of holes out there that I now have a game plan where I feel like I can execute. And now the confidence level goes up going into that back nine, three down. He felt all of a sudden like, you know what? Let's go out, throw some darts. We've got the game plan down. We know the turf. We know the locations. We know the green complexes. Let's throw some darts. Let's hit some good tee balls. Let's get the ball in play. See what happens. And, you know, kudos to him. It paid off. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, it was again, it was a fun, fun weekend of golf. A lot going on. Um, no major groundbreaking things, but just a, a lot of fun golf to watch again with the, Regular season finale on, on both the PGA Tour and, and Corn Ferry Tour and another couple of cool wins. It was just a feel-good weekend of golf. So let's get into the first event of the FedEx Cup playoffs, the Northern Trust at uh, Liberty National this year. They've been moving uh, a lot of these events around. Last hosted this in 2019. It's hosted it three, three times, I believe. Patrick Reed won there in, in 2019. DJ is the defending champ of the tournament, but it was held elsewhere. Different course, yeah. Yep. And uh, Liberty National hosted the President's Cup a handful of years ago as well. So um, I'm glad he's not here. I, I feel bad for the listeners, but Tom's been on a freaking tear on DraftKings recently and just kicking our ass. And um, so I'm glad for our sake he's not here. Maybe he'll skip the picks this week. But I feel bad for the listeners. They have to listen to us three idiots. But I do feel like we've all kind of had hot spurts this year with our picks. There's been, you know, someone will win four out of five times or three out of four times, something like that. And then somebody else gets hot. And right now, Mr. Tom Strange has been been hot with our with our DraftKings picks. So he's not here. Tom, we wish you well. I think he's currently on an airplane uh, flying to do business. So who wants to go first? I'm dialed. If you guys all right. are ready, go ahead. It's all you. Feeling pretty good about this, and the thing I like about it is it was a quick pick, which un. It's funny. It seems like those are my best ones, where I just go full yeah. instinct and roll with it. Um, starting at the top, I got the Magic Man, Colin Morikawa, ten thousand four hundred. Uh, not a lot needs to be said about obviously why I picked him. The guy's a complete player, as I have mentioned before. The guy can win at pretty much any golf course, as I feel like I've also possibly mentioned before. Uh, moving on to another very complete player, someone who I quite frankly consider probably the best player in the world at times and almost any given week, Mr. Justin Thomas. This guy is 
well, we don't have to get too too deep into his resume, too deep into his attitude, too deep into his uh, gall to be able to pull anything off at any venue as complete as a player gets. Keep moving on down from there. I got to go with the champ. Georgia Bulldog from Aiken, South Carolina. Mm. Mr. Kevin Kisner. Uh, shout out Palmetto Golf Club. Shout out Kevin Kisner. Shout out Georgia Bulldogs. I just feel like, again, the guy has been here before. He had a, he's coming off a great win, been playing really solid golf. Um, I think he's – I'm not saying he's going to win. I don't think he's a winner. I just think he's going to contend. I think he's going to make the – he's going to be a T25. I don't think he's a winner, but – I think he's a T25, though. I, I think he's a T25 all day. Uh, moving down beyond that, my next pick, the guy we talked about a little earlier, guy that I, I like in match play, just hadn't quite gotten there, Mr. Billy Horschel, Florida Gator. Um, big fan of what he's done, T T10. Three times this year, 18 to 21 cuts. Um, the guy's a good player. I mean, he finished uh, 17 at the WGC at FedEx St. Jude. Again, a guy, a guy I like no matter where they're playing. Uh, I think he's a, he's a big-time guy. Um, uh, another guy out of the playoff this week, Mr. Brendan Grace. A lot of experience, second last week, been playing well. Um, I, I just looked at him to play well. The guy seems pretty much venueless. When I say that, it's very tough for him to find a venue that he doesn't play well at. He drives yeah. the ball pretty straight. Again, very, very complete player. I think he's on top of his game right now. And I, I think he's I think he's another guy who's gonna make the cut, possibly contend. Um, moving down beyond him. The low draw from West Texas. Ryan Palmer. 7100, Mr. Ryan Palmer. <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. Whenever somebody says the low draw from West Texas, it's like automatic. It's like you know, exactly what you're talking the guy, about. The guy's just gonna go, he's just gonna go make the cut and T25, collect some checks, advance to the next uh round of the FedEx Cup, and uh keep it moving until I can pick him again, probably sometime in December. So you do, do love picks. I do my picks. And what I got like two or three more weeks with him, and then I'm then I'm not gonna have him. So I, I got to get that quota up. Um, I use so you get up. your fix. Get your get fix now. Fix. Get my fix. You know, I'm slapping my veins. All right, Jay. You want to go? No, you got to go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Rejection. I'm still right. I'm rom date right there. Jesus. <laughs> So I, I redid my team like three times. And I think I've now like it. The first two times I, I looked at it, I'm like, nope, I don't like it. So I'll start at the bottom. Mr. Seamus Power, $7,000. He's been playing good. I, like I mean, play. if you like, you know, top 20 and seven of your last nine starts, I think it's pretty good in a win for $7,000. I'll take that value all day. Yeah. Pays decent. Then I go up to just 7,100, who's kind of having a sneaky little resurgence here, kind of this summer. Had some good events. Top 15 last week. Uh, 16th at the Olympics. Second at 3M. Johnny Vegas. And it's really fun to say Johnny Vegas because I want his name. Then another guy that seems to always just be solid. Had another good week last week. Played well at the Open. Um, 
we've talked about him here before. Kevin Streelman, $7,400. Just good re- recent form. I, I kind of went low on some of these guys that were, have been playing really well and are, I think, undervalued to save myself for my uh, my top three guys here. That $9,000, this is a kind of a doing some research. They're, they're saying it's, it's going to lean heavy to ball strikers. Some tough greens to hit. Not the best. You don't have to be super long, but you need to hit a few fairways. So ball strikers are going to be what you hear here. Hideki Matsuyama, $9,000. I just like him. He, he did miss the cut last week, which I don't like. But, you know, second at, at the FedEx Cup, St. Jude, before that, uh, fourth in Japan. So playing well. And he owns a green jacket, and no one else does right at the moment. So then I go to Daniel Berger. Again, I think leading into we had this big Ryder Cup discussion. He's been playing well. He had a top five at uh, St. Jude, top 10 at the Open. And I think he needs to impress Captain Stricker, right? We, we talked about yeah. we might be one of the odd men out when we start looking at these, these captain's picks. And so he's got another, obviously, not, you know, it's, it's fun winning a bunch of money to win the FedEx Cup, but he's also going to want to hang out with his boys, JT and Spieth at Whistling Straight. So I think he's going to play well. And then he's already been picked already, but one of my bromance on the PJ Tour, Colin Morikawa, 10,400. He's just a stud. And if you you tell me a ball striker is going to win at this golf course, he's he's on the the list. First guy I'm going to because he is the best ball striker on tour. And I'm not even sure it's close. Uh, Louis second. I'm not sure it's close. Louis second. That's fine. Great. He's second by a lot. But uh, Colin Morikawa. Uh, that much? I, I'm not, I don't really want to get this argument right now. So that's my picks. <laughs> oh, it's because you're tired. It's because you're tired because I was ready to go. But okay, let's skip it. Go ahead, Jay. Your picks. All right. You um, ready, Jay? My, my this is I, This could be the worst lineup that I've ever picked or Best lineup. I'm not sure. Somewhere in somewhere in the middle. Um, Big range. I'm gonna guy. start from the. I'm gonna start from the bottom here. Uh, I've got Eric Van uh, Ruin at 6,700. Um, obviously coming off a win of the Barracuda, 37th of the Wyndham. Um, oh, looks great in those joggers. So for the yeah, looks so good in those joggers. Keep, that's what keep. That's what's keeping him from making the cut. Yeah. So for the money, I feel like he, he's been playing well the last couple of weeks. So we'll see. We'll see how he does. But um, uh, next up, starting obviously starting from the bottom, working the way up. I'm I'm going with a a long time uh, front runner with big events like Bubba Watson, seventy four hundred dollars. I, you know, I don't know why I'm picking him but just because he fit. He was the la- my last pick. And <laughs> I, I'm being honest. I, I don't fast. know. I mean, he hasn't played terribly the last five weeks. Um, he's made he's made the last five cuts, but he hasn't how done great. He finished six at the Rock Mortgage. statement about Bubba Watson. Like, how difficult is it to be like, I've got Bubba and – God damn it. So the thing this the way that why here, I picked I'll him. Give you, I don't really fucking like him. He's kind of a douche. I will I'll uh, give you my I'll give you my my all right, synopsis all right. make, here. Make so, a statistical argument, please. I will. No, so for for the money, I I had Jason Day, Siwoo Kim, 
who just came off of a second or second place finish, right? Was he in the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he will not duplicate that. And Jason Day has not been playing well. And Streelman played well this past week, but this course is not made for him. And then Cam Champ, who could possibly play well. But Bubba Watson is a front runner. He likes the he likes the the he likes the mix. He likes the drama. He he gets ready for that stuff. And this is the FedEx Cup playoffs. So while I don't know if he'll win this event, I feel like he will step up and 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 play well. So at seventy four hundred bucks, at seventy four hundred dollars with the potential to win and the and the skill set to win at any given time, um, I'm going to give him a shot. He's only missed four cuts all year, so um, all that together is why I went with one of my least favorite players on tour, Bubba Watson. Um, <laughs> what but here we are, bag of dicks. <laughs> uh, next up the list, I did go with the past champ. I think he's riding high, and I think he wants to make this Ryder Cup team badly. He may not say it, but he wants to make this Ryder Cup team badly. So uh, I think Kevin Kisler is going to play well in the next couple of events at 7,900. Uh, bumping up the list, another playoff winner who also wants to play well and has – had a rough go with the COVID, and I know everyone else probably has read the articles about him and how he felt like he struggled mightily with his family, family life, COVID? family life balance. What's that? Did you say the COVID? I don't think I said the COVID, but if I did, that's terrible. Uh, has struggled with, 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 with the, the whole COVID issue. Maybe that's what I was going to go with, but I'm going with Adam Scott because I feel like he is coming into form. And again, one of these guys who is a seasoned vet and, and understands playoffs and he likes playing in the Northeast. He seems to play well there. Um, um, so he's at 8,400 bumping up. I'm going with Harris English, who has been on, on fire here. As of late, uh, minus his Open Championship performance, but that's that's a whole nother level. But when he's back in the states, he hasn't finished out of the top five uh, in the last three events, and hasn't finished out of the top. Only finished out of the top twenty in one event in the states. Um, so, and that's dating, dating back to May. Yet so, he's not on your Ryder Cup team. He's not on my Ryder Cup team, but we're talking about this tournament. <laughs> And in a I know I was just more a, there is a difference how how good his resume is and how good he's been playing. But the stroke play event is a different per, is a different mindset than uh than a match play event. It's, I get you. it's it's so different. It's so different. And I think he I think he's playing well on it. Will he win? Will he get over the hump and, and get past some of these uh some of these demons that he has finishing tournaments? Maybe, maybe not, but I, I do finish I think he's gonna finish in the top ten. Um so and then and then that takes me to my favorite player on tour, Tom Strange's favorite player on tour, um, who I do think could win this event. The breast milker, Speed, Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> well, I think the last time I took Jordan Speed, you called me a little bitch. Uh, me? I love this. Yeah, I did. I or yeah, you it. no, you're no, you did, Jay. You said, "Oh, you're such a bitch." Look, look, I love this pick. I think the guy's on fire. I think he is the epitome of, and maybe maybe my stats, maybe stats don't back this up, but I think when 
he gets the confidence there and he gets the putter rolling the way he can really get it rolling from 20 to 25 feet. I think the guy's tough to beat, but I think he's going to be that streaky player that we look back and he's going to have three ridiculous years and he's going to have five bad years. Yeah. Three good years, five bad years, but he'll never lose status because his three good years when he's on, the guy is just tough to beat. And he's probably going to win six or seven majors. And he's going to be, he's going to go down as one of the top 20 greatest players of all time. Exactly. And he's going to have, he's going to have bad years nonstop. But when he's on, when that short game is dialed and he gets his, he gets his green to T. Okay. Because his chipping doesn't get as much. Typically it goes T to green. It's a little easier that way. Green Green to T. You're going away from the hole. Guys, we started fucking late. Okay. It's a tough day for me today. Um, I'm sitting here trying to find an opportunity to go grab another goddamn beer from the refrigerator. I haven't found an interjection point where I felt like I could get up and it would be, you know, I wouldn't miss anything. But this but is just take it. Go to, go to, go where to tea, we have found green ourselves. tea. Okay. Tea to green, green to tea, EAD. Um, pleasure being here with you, gents. Regardless, regardless. I'm with you. I just had to give you shit. No, I love it. I've missed you guys, quite frankly. But regardless of which, if you put Jordan Spieth in an opportunity where he can hit anything from 125 to 150 in with yeah. at his length, he's nasty from that distance. Nasty. Really. I mean, absolutely nasty. He hits that three-quarter gap wedge wedge as good as anyone on tour does. He holds it off, hits that little little punch draw, hold off cut, if you will, that never has a chance of cutting. Um, but he does it, and he gets it inside of that distance that we know that he has a high percentage of putting well at, and quite frankly, a higher percentage than anyone in history from the distance that he puts well at. So if he can get the driver in shape, put himself in play as often as he can, yeah, I think we're I think we're poised to see good results out of him. I, I wanted to pick him. I think it. I think he can compete this weekend. Obviously, um, I really did want to pick him, but I thought Jay was going to call me a bitch again, and then I didn't. I couldn't fit him into my uh, my DraftKings budget. But so, anyways, boys, if you guys have anything else, no, Jay's making faces. So we uh, we thank all like of our listeners about, again. Real quick, I'd like to talk about. You know, let's make sure we get our pets spayed and neutered. Okay, Bob um, Barker. <laughs> um, thank you all to our listeners again. McLean, go listen to the Band and Dunes uh, pet population preview or uh, review show. Excuse me, you guys are idiots. And uh, thank you to everyone. We'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>